learning that one for the next couple of weeks. But I think we did a, did a good job with that tonight for the first time. Well, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 7 this evening. Matthew chapter 7. And our text for this evening will be verses 13 and 14, uh, with our subject being the straight and wide gates. The straight and wide gates. Matthew 7. Let's look at the words of our Lord here in verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Uh, Let's, for our beginning, look just at the expression in verse 13, the very first expression, enter ye in at the straight gate. Enter ye in at the straight gate. I really want to give you three main ideas that I believe the Lord is instructing here regarding these gates. Uh, First of all, uh, Christ is comparing the way of eternal life as like an entrance into a gate or a door. Uh, The words here, straight, uh, we know that even in our English language, there are two ways that we identify or spell the word straight. We have what's in our text here, uh, S-T-R-A-I-T, but we also know that we have S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, and those two words have very different uh, original meanings. Uh, The word uh, for straight, uh, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, means not crooked. It just simply means that. If it's straight, it's not crooked. But the second word, and the word in which our Lord is using here, uh, is the word S-T-R-A-I-T, and it means to be pent up, uh, to be narrow, and to be difficult to be entered into. They are two very different words. And the word that the Lord is using here is the word that expresses that this gate uh, is in fact a very narrow and difficult to be entered into gate. It doesn't just simply mean it's a crooked gate. It means it is a narrow, pent up, hard to enter into. It is not easily accessible. That's the word that the Lord is using here. Uh, and it, obviously, he's, he's identifying this as with relation to the spiritual realm, uh, not just to the earthly realm, although I do believe, and we'll talk about this in a moment, uh, that the Lord had something in mind that would have been very familiar uh, in their day and age. But this spiritual application here already is he's identifying that the way to heaven or the way to eternal glory is a way that is narrow. And it is a way that is not something that is just obviously entered into, nor is it a gate that is stumbled upon. It is a very specific gate, and it is not easy to enter into that gate. Now, in comparison, he gives an immediate contrast, and he says, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, And we see the reality of that broad, wide gate. It says, and many there be which go in thereat. 
So now the Lord compares this narrow gate, which he talks about, and he compares it to the way of death. And the way of death or the way of destruction is a wide open, very broad, and sadly, a very crowded gate. So our Lord here has truly in mind, I believe he has even the ancient cities of the scriptural times in mind. Uh, we don't think about this any, in our day and age because cities and towns uh, are not marked by gates. Uh, there's not one single gate. There's not one single road to come in. But the ancient cities, often there was a main gate. And the, 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 uh, the interesting facts about these ancient cities is that these cities were often surrounded by walls. And these walls were also to be entered into the walls of this city or into the, the premises of these towns, uh, you had to enter in through those gates. Now, some of these gates uh, that were connected to uh, you know, main cities or large places, the gates were extremely broad. They were wide gates in order to accommodate a large number of people who would come in at one time. They were very broad, and if, if you were to see one of those gates, you would look at it and you could say, well, you could get a lot of people through that gate, and that gate would be easily accessible, and it would be very crowded. Uh, but we also know that there were private gates, and there were private places, uh, and some of these places had very narrow gates. Uh, you would see very few people on those roads or in those gates because, quite frankly, it wasn't wide enough for many to be on or in that gate. So first thing I want us to see is that Christ is comparing the way of eternal life to the entrance through a gate. We want to keep that in mind uh, as we look at this text tonight. Secondly, uh, Christ is clearly declaring that the path to heaven or the path to eternal life is narrow. Uh, it's been said that uh, Christians are often called very narrow-minded people. And when it comes to the regard of salvation, we are extremely narrow-minded. We are narrow-minded because we realize that there is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to Jesus Christ. There's only one way to God. And it, of course, is through Jesus Christ who declares himself to be not in the words of a gate, but he says, I am the what? The door. So uh, we are narrow-minded when it comes to the spiritual realities of how does a person get to heaven. Uh, that is not a negative. I know we, we live in a world when someone says you're very narrow-minded in what you believe or why do you arrogantly hold this truth that this is the only way of salvation? Because, folks, the Bible declares that the only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ. It is not us who is being narrow. It is the very narrow way. Uh, Jesus, of course, is not talking about random gates and random doors. He's having this, this dissertation and he is saying, I am, in fact, that gate. And the gate to my heavenly kingdom is a very narrow gate as opposed to the gate that leads to destruction, which is a very wide gate. Uh, there were, not in the same sense as we have today, but there were places that there were what was called great highways. Uh, there were large uh, places where people would travel from town to town. And some of those uh, avenues, some of those paths would be uh, very wide. Uh, but Jesus is saying that the path to me, the path through the gate 
of eternal glory is not a highway that you're going to find most people on. Uh, This will be a very uh, lightly traveled road. So we might see someone occasionally coming through one of those private gates. Uh, We might see someone on one of those coming through those, but the wide gate would be the gate that most people would be on. They will be going through the way to death. Notice it says it is broad. Uh, There are, if the Lord's own words are, many there be. He's identifying that this broad way, this wide gate, this is where many people are going to be. I think we often try to satisfy our own conscience by thinking about the reality that uh, maybe when it's all said and done, uh, there'll be more people who came through the narrow gate than there were on the wide gate, but yet Jesus is indicating that there are many on that wide road, that broad way that leads to destruction, and he says there are many on that road. It brings us back to the reality of how how gloriously thankful and humble we ought to be that he chose us out for himself. And we can say that we went through that gate. We went through the gate of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction. This wide gate uh, is the most traveled road. Uh, People go onto that road very easily. They don't have to make any effort to get onto the into the wide gate because there's plenty of room for everyone. For them to get onto the narrow road would require them to really think about why would I want to leave the wide gate when there's a narrow way? Why would I why would I go to narrow way when there's such a wide gate? So secondly, Christ says the path to heaven is is narrow. And thirdly, and I want you to stay with me on this one because I don't want you to get the idea that I'm in any way implying that there are somehow works that enter into eternal life, but Christ is telling us that diligence is needed to enter into eternal life. Diligence is needed, and we'll talk about what that means. There is a striving, there is a a moving towards to obtain the entrance through this narrow gate. Uh, over in Luke chapter 3, verse 24, uh, you don't have to turn there, but there's a reference made to this, this principle of, of this diligence uh, that's required here. Um, when, we, when we talk about um, this, these, these narrow gates and, and how uh, the Lord himself has said that, that he, is, he is the way. And so we understand that uh, this is something that must be diligent. Uh, there is a, an old hymn by Isaac Watts that is entitled, Broad is the Road. And he simply says in that hymn, it says, Broad is the road that leads to death, and thousands walk together there. But wisdom shows a narrower path with here and there a traveler. That hymn really speaks to the sad condition of man. It speaks to the sad reality that most people are on that road, that broad road. They are going through the wide gate. Uh, They're not traveling on in the narrow way. So now let's break this down a little bit further as the Lord speaks here. And he mentions again this straight gate. And of course, Jesus again is using uh, real physical things to demonstrate principles regarding himself. Uh, There's no 
stretch of biblical truth to say that Jesus is speaking about himself here. Uh, There's no doubt that Jesus is saying that enter in at the straight gate. I am that straight gate. Uh, There's no no reason for us to say, well, did did he really mean some other gate? Did he mean some other way? No, Jesus, because we compare Scripture with Scripture, we know it would not be out of his realm to compare himself with a gate or to compare himself with a door when he uses that exact terminology. That I am the door. So he means himself. We know in John 10, 7, he calls himself this door. He calls himself the the only way in which a man uh, can get there. Uh, John 10, 7, he says, "Then, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I want, I want you to notice when Jesus uses the terminology, he says, I am the door. He does not say, I am like a door. Now you might say that's just technical semantics. No, it's, it's he is declaring, I am the door. I'm not like a door. I am the door. And when he says about the gate, I am the gate. I'm not like a gate, I am the gate. Now, it doesn't mean he turns himself into a door, but he is saying that this is the only way. The door. And of course, John 10 is one of those uh, pivotal passages that oftentimes when uh, people are coming to have a full understanding of their salvation and coming to this full understanding of the doctrines of grace, they begin to look at John 10 and they say, uh, "There there there I am. There I am. He talks about the reality of that He's the one, that the Father is the one that gave them to Him. So we understand that Jesus as the door, as the gate, that means there is an entering into all of the privileges and everything that comes with being in Christ. To be through that gate is to be in communion with our Lord. Uh, we are not just talking about some kind of hypothetical union. We are talking about a real, true, living union with Christ. Uh, it's not like a communion. We are in communion with Him. We are in unity with Him. We are participating in all of the blessings of grace. He is the gate of heaven. He is the door of the sheep. And because He is the gate, now we have boldness to enter into the holiest of holy, which is the very throne room of God. And one day there will be an entrance into this kingdom that will be established. Now why does the Lord use this word straight? Of course, the word straight, as we looked already, does not mean not crooked, but it means narrow. It means to be pent up. I believe he uses this particular terminology because faith in Christ and a profession of Christ, living a life that is agreeable to this type of entrance, is not going to be an easy road. You need to mark it down that to be and enter into the narrow gate, you are automatically bringing unto yourself through the walk of faith afflictions and temptations and reproaches and even persecutions. 
There's no other way to put this. Just because we get into the gate doesn't mean now we don't have to worry because we're in the gate. Until the Lord Jesus Christ returns again, this narrow road is going to be a difficult road. That's why many people, especially who even lived, maybe they lived a long time before they were converted, many of them say, my life in many ways on many different occasions and many different sides, it got tougher when I was converted. Now, that kind of a promise will scare away people who are not truly in Christ. If I was to tell you, listen, if you go the broad way and you go the wide way, in this life anyway, it's probably going to be not as riddled with as many problems and afflictions and reproaches. But if you go through this narrow gate, that gate is really going to be riddled with afflictions and temptations and persecutions. Nobody apart from the grace of God goes in the narrow gate because there's too much waiting. There's too much trouble in that way. And certainly everybody else is going this way. They've got to have something. They've got to know something because everybody's going that way, right? Listen, the direction the crowd is going is not the way that's usually the right way. If we were to be able to visualize this throughout all of eternity, and I believe this is what the Lord has in mind. Of course, we don't know all that will be saved. We don't know all that has been saved. But if we could visualize us in our mind and see a big wide gate and a broad great highway and a narrow gate and a narrow road, and we could visualize it, I think there's no question in my mind we would probably see millions and millions and millions of people going through that wide gate and comparatively speaking, very few going through the narrow gate. I don't fully understand everything that God does through calling men unto himself. But he does very clearly say that if a man, if a woman is called and drawn unto Christ, if he is truly drawn by Christ, he or she will enter into that gate. It will not be, they might go through that gate. They might think about going through that gate. They will go through that gate because the Father has given them to the Son. They're going to go through that gate even though they know it's going to be a road filled with afflictions and reproaches and temptations. So Jesus is talking about an entering in. Notice he uses that terminology about talking about this gate, and he says, enter, enter ye in at the straight gate. There is this entering in. We enter into this gate drawn by the Father through Christ, but we enter in by faith. We are, some of us were talking about this Sunday, and we've been, I've been working on uh, Pilgrim's Progress with both of my classes at school. And we're, we're just at the part where Christian is talking with evangelist. And evangelist, of course, is one of the other characters. And you, it's not going into too many details, but uh, Christian is on this journey. He's on this journey to uh, relieve the burden of his own sin that's on his back. He's fleeing from the city of destruction because it's, he's read in his book, which is the Bible, he's read in the book that there's a, there's a destruction coming to the city. And he's fleeing from that. And he's, he's left his family. He's, he's run into... Uh, uh, he's, he'll run into people like, named obstinate and 
pliable who, who he, he's, he's doing all sorts of things and obstinate wants nothing to do with it. And pliable says, I'll go. But as they're going, they fall, they fall into a swamp and pliable immediate looks and talks to Christian and says, listen, if we're already having this much trouble, we're just started our journey and we're already bogged down in the miry swamp. If this is the way to get to the city, I'm out. And Pliable pulls himself out of that and he moves and he goes and, he, and he's gone. A Christian is left there and of course uh, a man by the name of Help comes along and Help extends a hand and he, he pulls him up out of the mire and he asks him a question. He said, why didn't you use the stepping stones? There were stones across that swamp. But I go all the way back, even before he ever got to that swamp, when he met with evangelist, evangelist told him, he asked him a question. He said, Christian, do you see the wicket gate? And of course, that was the gate of entrance that's going to eventually end up in the city. And it's, it's fascinating because Christian's response is, no, I don't. I don't see it. So evangelist says, but do you see a light? And he says, I think I do. An evangelist says, then walk towards that light and follow it. You see, when we enter into that gate, we may not know everything, but we are to follow the light, we're to follow the instructions, and we're to simply enter in at that gate. Folks, when we stepped into the very, entered into the gate of Jesus Christ, we did not enter in with a full understanding of all the doctrines of grace, all the knowledge of God. We didn't walk in with this full, uh, just a full library of knowing all of our theology. No, we walked into that gate by faith. That's what entering in is. Jesus is referencing faith. We enter in, the entering in is marked by a profession of faith. But what follows is faith not just in the gate itself, but the grace in which men have been invited enter into that gate. Again, Christ is the gate. Christ is the door. It must begin with Christ. And once you enter into that gate, you must stay with Christ. Again, breaking down these expressions, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. The one that, these are easily definable between each other. I think that's why Jesus uses such an extreme here. He calls one narrow, he calls one wide. Why? It will be easy to see. It'll be easy to see which one's the wide gate and which one's the narrow gate. We won't have to look at it and say, I think that one's narrow, I think that one's wide. You'll know it's wide. And you'll know what's narrow. And the way that you'll know it is because the wide gate will have many people going through it. There's no difficulty in finding out or entering in or walking in the way of the wide gate. That's the way of our sin. You have to do nothing. You have to make any effort when you get up in the morning. You don't have to make any effort to sin. Do you, do you realize that? <laughs> You don't, have to, you don't have to get up and plan it. You don't have to get up and say, I'm going to sin today. You, it is easy to walk into the way of sin. For the non-believer, it is their very nature. It is the very nature of those outside of Christ to walk in what they are. They're going to walk in their nature. They're going to walk in what they are. They're unbelievers. The gate 
of the wide gate there, of course, is the gate which leads not just to physical problems in this life, but it's the way that leads to eternal ruin, eternal damnation. That gate is paved with lust. It is paved with worldly pleasures, and it stands wide open. And I hope we see this. It accepts all who walk through it. That wide gate doesn't turn anybody away. That wide gate doesn't say it's too full. The broad way doesn't say we can't squeeze any more in here. But there's also the beauty of the narrow gate when Jesus himself also turns none away who will come to him. Sadly, we realize that Jesus uses this, these terms to show us the spiritual condition of humanity. Now we see when we realize the word many is being used in Scripture, it's being used to define or to illustrate a certain number of people that is not specific, but it indicates and gives us the reality that we're talking about a number that is not being numbered, right? We don't know what he means exactly by many. Some of us might say, well, many is two. Many is a thousand. Many is tens of thousands. Many is a million. But what it does to us as a believer is we look at this and we say, why am I not counted with the many? Why am I not on the broad way? Or why am I not entering in at the wide gate? Why, oh why, did I enter into the narrow gate? By the mercy and grace of God Himself. I was on the broad road. I was walking through the wide gate. I didn't have to make any effort. And then Jesus called me unto Himself. Those that go in, he says, many there be which go in there at or at that door. They are walking in their state of their human nature. Now the way of the ungodly, the, the wide gate is a broad way. It means it's smooth, it's easy, it's agreeable to the flesh. The wide gate is not going to push back on you and, and push at you. and It's not going to make you uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, it's actually going to draw you in and feel as if it's putting its arms around you to say, come on in. Because it's agreeable to the flesh. Folks, that's why we still have a struggle with sin. Because sin agrees with our flesh. It agrees with our old nature. We look at it and we say, it actually feels good. Because our flesh still craves and desires sin. But this wide gate, it's agreeable to the sin of man. It has a large number of people in it. But ultimately, Jesus said its end is destruction. Now the Lord, I believe, as I've already mentioned, was referring or alluding or illustrating private and public roads. And it's interesting, one of the, some of the Jewish writings and some of the Jewish writings that they consider to be, um, I'm going to use the term loosely because we know that they can't be this if they're not Scripture. Uh, they consider them to be their canon. Uh, they're the Jewish books that say these are the things that we really, really trust. They had an expression that, or they had measurements that they would give 
uh, for how wide things were. According to these Jewish canons, a private way or a private gate was about four cubits broad. A way that led from a city to another city was about eight cubits wide. A public way, which was used by many, was 16 cubits. And the way to the cities of refuge, the gates and the ways were often 32 cubits. You can see that the private way was the very narrow one. It was one that not everybody was there, not everybody was on it, and the more public, the wider it was. But then Jesus says something very profound and very frightening here. Frightening for those who were on the Broadway, but very much humbling to those who he's called. He says in verse 14, because straight is the gate. Okay, now notice the connection. Enter ye at the straight gate. He says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Again, he doesn't say narrow is a way or the gate is a way. He says this is the way which what? Leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Difficult to enter in at. When it's entered into, it is not going to be pleasant to the flesh. Okay? It's, it's going to have the opposite effect. Your flesh is not going to like the gate. It's not going to like it because it is that which is contrary to your normal humanity. The gate is narrow because it's pent up or hedged in on both sides. It's riddled, as I mentioned, filled with afflictions, tribulations. It's a narrow place. It is a place where there's no turning to the right or turning to the left. It has one direction. I want you to think about this. There is no places to go to the left and go to the right. When you're in Christ, it is, it is one direction. It is, it is one gate, one door, one way. Christ and Christ alone. It isn't get through the gate by Christ and then as I go, it's going to be an easy road and I can get off at the left or get off at the right if the road gets too hard. No, the road you're going on is a road that's going to be filled with afflictions and temptations and trials. But at the end of that road, there's a promise of eternal glory. It's the, it's the whole story of Pilgrim's Progress. It's the whole story of what, what John Bunyan was writing about in his own spiritual condition, thinking my life to Christ was this absolute journey where until I understood that the city that I was in was under destruction and I needed a burden, my sin removed off of my back and I needed to be able to find that way. There was only one direction. There was only one way to go. But all along his journey, he's met with obstacles. He's met with people that try to get him off the road. People that the evangelist tries to keep him on the road and the others are pulling him off the road and saying, you don't want to do that. Going all the way back to what the, the character obstinate he meets. Obstinate is literally saying that. He says, why would you want to leave all the comforts of this world? Why would you leave all, leave all the worldly pleasures? Why would you want to leave all these things? And Christian says, because I know that there's a promise that there's something so much better than what this world and what the city that's going to be under destruction offers. 
So folks, when we're in that gate and we're walking down the road of affliction and persecution and trial, it's the remembrance that at the end of this road, at the end of this is an eternal glory that is going to make all these things we lived in in this life seem as if they never were. We just want to be there now. We want to be there now to where all the afflictions, all the trials, all the troubles that they're gone. But Jesus says, listen, there's going to be, there is going to be trouble there. But he says it leads unto life. And he says, few there be that find it. There's this great encouragement by the Lord to walk in that way. It leads to life. Does he mean we'll never die physically? No, he's talking about eternal life. And by the way, that gate, that door always leads to eternal life. Folks, you realize tonight, this is not just I'm hoping that I'm right. That I'm hoping that, that my walk into the, into the door of Christ, I'm hoping I'm right. Listen, you should know with 100% certainty tonight that if you are in Christ, you are on the road that guarantees you an eternity with Christ. An eternity in glory. An eternity in heaven. Without a single doubt in your mind, I know that that's where this road leads. We've all been lost at some point. <laughs> We've all had times when we weren't sure we were in the right place. And we've said, I hope this is the way to go. I hope this is the right way. We take an exit, we take a ramp, we get off, we turn left, we turn right, we say, I hope this is the right way. In the back of our minds, we think we're sure. But you know you can be assured that if you are in Christ and you went through that narrow gate, that road guarantees that you are going to be in eternal glory with your Lord. I don't have to worry about that being... A false gate. Now, if I'm trying to get to heaven in any other way besides Jesus Christ as the gate, or if Jesus is just one of three gates, He's not just one of three gates. He is the only gate. He's the only door. It leads unto life. All that walk in that way, all that are in Christ, they will be there. And even though they may be met with afflictions and trials, they will find their way to the kingdom. But they are saved. They will be safely delivered and brought to glory. Folks, I don't know, if, I don't know how much we will remember, but I can assure you that when we get to heaven and we get to glory with our Savior, all the troubles and the sorrows and, the, and the, the disappointments and the discouragements, I guarantee you it will be worth it all. There's that old hymn that says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's, we sing that and we think about it, but do we really believe it? What was that hymn writer talking about? That hymn writer was talking about the reality. What's going to be worth it all? All these afflictions and trials and sorrows and disappointments and discouragement and battle with sin? It's all going to be worth it. But right now, it seems like the road's too tough. You see, sin makes this road tough because we're still going to have to diligently fight against sin. That's what I meant about being diligent about the being on the road. Not working your way to salvation, but realizing that you're going to have to fight with everything you have to put away sin and to live for the glory of God. It isn't enough for us just to get up and say, I'm in Christ, I'm impervious to sin. No, you're going to have to fight it. 
I have to fight it. I have to say no to the flesh. I have to say no to the worldly pleasures. I have to say no to my desires because I know I'm still going to struggle with them. And he says, and few be there, few there be that find it. So consequently, the way of life, that gate is straight, but it's narrow, it's small, and it's most likely unobserved. Most people walk right by that gate. But there's only one way. Many people, when they're offered the gate, they're told about Christ, they're told that he is the door, uh, they neglect it. I don't need such a narrow way. Your words about this gospel you talk about, it seems disagreeable to me. Do you know why the gospel is disagreeable? Because the gospel is disagreeable to the man or the woman in their own sin nature because the gospel sheds light upon what they really are. The gospel is hated not just because of Jesus Christ, but it's hated because it puts its finger directly on what man's greatest problem is. And man's greatest problem is he's a sinner. Watch a crowd of people. Go somewhere. I don't care where you go. Go somewhere and watch a crowd of people and watch how people follow one another. If a group of people, you don't even know why they're changing directions. You have no idea why. Most people will follow that crowd if enough people turn around and say, oh, they must know something, so I'm going to follow them. They have no idea why that group of people's turning. They're just saying, if that many people's turning, they must know something. You realize that that is, that is the way that most people do. They're going to choose the large gates. They're going to choose the broadways. They're going to choose the way where the most people are. Why? Because the flesh and sin loves to walk according to its own flesh, according to its own desires, and it wants to do evil. It wants to bring pleasure to its flesh. It wants to do sin. The way to heaven is thin, to say the least, with people walking that way. It's a small number when you compare it to the broad gate. Now again, all we know in Scripture for, for sure about that is, is that not one will be lost. The problem is, maybe not a problem, is I don't know how many he's talking about. I don't know how many the many are on the broad way. I don't know how many are on the narrow way. But what does this apply to my life to do? It reminds me, if I'm in Christ tonight, how humbled and how thankful I ought to be that I understand these truths. That I'm not walking the broad way and I'm not walking through that gate. But you could be. You could be sitting in a church like ours on a Wednesday night and thinking, all's good with me. And you could still be trying to go through that wide gate. You've, you've never by faith entered into the gate of Christ where He is. The way to heaven. The Bible often refers to remnants. Refers to little flocks. Refers to little cities. 
And there's a reference often about being few numbers of people in each one of those scenarios. Folks, when you bring this down to where we are, there's only two ways. There's right, there's wrong. There's good, there's evil. There's the way to heaven and there's the way to hell. There's no in-between road. Every individual is on one of those two roads. You're either on the road to heaven or you're on the road to hell. You're not on a third road. You're either going through the gate, the narrow gate, the straight gate, or you're going through the wide and the broad gate. There's no middle place. There's no middle ground. All people are either children of God or they're the children of the devil. They're either godly or ungodly. They're either saints or sinners. Concerning the way of sin and sinners, their gate is wide. Stands wide open. It'll accept as many that will walk in. You can go in that gate with all of your sin and you don't have to give any of it up. You don't have to check your sin at the door. You can walk through it and you can live exactly like you want to live. But it's the way that the Bible says is the way to eternal destruction. You keep walking on that road and never turning to Christ and that will lead you to an eternity in hell separated from Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That gate doesn't have any restrictions. But what profit is there? What profit is there to go with a large company of people to hell? What profit is there? There's none. The way to eternal life is narrow. You know, often our minds want to make things more palatable. And I will have to tell you, before I really began to understand that the Bible does teach doctrines of grace, and especially when you read the book of John, I always tried to tell myself, certainly this can't be what he really means. Certainly this can't be what he means. He can't really be suggesting that there are few people who actually find this narrow gate. No, he, it, it, he can't be identifying this small number or whatever it is because it, it's got to just be whoever just wants it. Will just, they'll choose it for themselves. Where do we see any man, woman, choosing God for themselves in the Bible? We don't see it anywhere. The way to eternal life is narrow and it must be that road must we must diligently strive on that road we're not in heaven now we're not in glory now and in order to be in heaven with our savior we have got to go through that straight gate for a man to even come to a place where they would even consider that gate they have to be brought to a place where they see their sin for what it is but those of us that are already on that road with Christ, there must be a denial of ourselves. We must keep our bodies under control. We're told to mortify the flesh. We have for so long sold this bill of goods that says, just get to the gate and then do whatever you want on the other side of the gate. That's not Scripture. If we're in the road, we should be wanting to kill the flesh in our life. Daily repentance and mortifying the flesh. 
Not just simply saying that the gate of Christ is just I walk through the gate and I get on the moving sidewalk and I just kind of slide on through life until my time to go. Listen, it's going to be an absolute dogfight. We do a great disservice to people if we tell them that, listen, if you'll just come to Christ, he will take away all of your problems and all of your struggles and all of your sorrows. Listen, I think that's one of the big reasons because when you see the identity of those that are in that gate, they are people who have been through afflictions. They are people who have been through struggles. They've been through sorrows. They've been through trials. Folks, it is a rare, rare thing if you find a believer who has not been through some extremely deep valleys. And if you meet a Christian that has said, listen, it has been smooth sailing since the day I was converted, unless they were converted yesterday, you have to ask yourself the question, is the road supposed to be this easy? The road of our Lord wasn't easy. The road of his disciples wasn't easy. The road of the martyrs of the faith we see all throughout history and the people that are being martyred today It's not easy. We're living in a world where the the generation that we're living in is slowly and very rapidly beginning to accelerate where Christians and Christ-likeness and Jesus Christ is becoming hated more and more and more. If you got on this road thinking this is the way I'm I'm going to sail through the easiness so when life gets tough, I'll have somebody to hang on to. Listen, you can hang on to him and he's hanging on to you, first of all. You're not hanging on to him. He's hanging on to you. But if you think it's just going to be smooth and easy, someone's told you wrong. But even Paul wrote about the promise that nothing in this world is going to compare to the riches of what is awaiting me. We've got to be watchful. We've got to take care. We are going to go through tribulation. But remember, this way leads to life. It's the life of the soul. It's the road that leads to eternal bliss. It's the road that leads to the hope that's at the end of our way. The hope that now we're just looking forward to, but one day that blessed hope becomes an absolute reality even before our eyes. The plain declaration of Christ that's been disregarded by many. People throughout generations have tried to explain away Jesus Christ, tried to explain away the gospel. But the real, true believer, the true convert, continues to look in one singular direction. They're looking at Christ alone. They're looking at that one door. They're looking at that one gate. They stand and watch. Sadly, thousands of people continue to walk on the broad road. On the broad road. They know they're looking the right direction. We know we're looking at Christ, but they're watching a whole generation of people going the opposite way in which we're going. And folks... 
That ought to humble us, but it also ought to burden us. It ought to bring us to the place where we say, listen, I should never be content with anybody on that broad road. I know salvation is of the Lord. I know I can't save anybody, but we should be diligent and bold about our witness for Christ, and we should be unapologetic. And that's what our prayer for this church is, is that if you come in the doors of this building, we are not going to apologize for the gospel, and we're not going to apologize for preaching on sin. We're not going to apologize for saying there is a right way and there's a wrong way we're going to say that jesus christ is the only way and we're not going to say oh we're sorry if that offends you no because it is the only way many people have found themselves on that road to destruction because so many others were going that way that they just jumped right in the crowd and jumped right in the line how often can we hear about the straight and the narrow way And listening to what the Lord says, few there are that find it. Without responding to our Lord in thanksgiving by saying, praise the Lord and glory to God that he called me unto himself. And if we've been called, if we've been called unto himself, what are we doing on that road? Are we truly resisting sin are we truly living for the glory of god or are we just hoping that we can just slide along until we get to heaven christianity is a fight being in christ is a fight oftentimes that fight is another confirmation that you're on the right road but be sure be very sure be certain be certain that you enter into the straight gate not through the broad gate that leads destruction let's finish with the hymn i thought was very appropriate for tonight 166 let's go ahead and stand and we'll sing and then we'll pray and we'll be dismissed tonight i run to christ when chased by fear and find a refuge sure believe in me his voice i hear his words and wounds secure i run to christ when torn by grief and find abundant peace i too had tears he gently speaks Thus joy and sorrow meet. We'll finish with the hymn, I Run to Christ 166.